Effective Living with Reverend Henry Hubert. May you be blessed as you listen. Now, the message. Lord, you Continue my teaching. I've been teaching about the Jesus model of increase. In this year of increase, one of the very important models that we must make our example is, is that of Jesus. The Bible said in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, that Jesus increased. He increased. Somebody little right and I say, I will increase. Yeah, if Jesus increased. It means that your life must increase. And Jesus increased, but he didn't increase in just everything. He was very intentional in the strategic areas where he saw increase. And I believe it's an example for us to, to know that increase doesn't necessarily have to be in every area of your life. For instance, you don't need to increase in your weight. You don't need to increase in your body size, I beg. It's not a blessing. When, when we're young, they say when you grow fat, it's, it's good living. It's, it shows you are blessed. But when you become blessed, you realize that no, increasing in body size is not a blessing. That necessarily doesn't mean that if you are fat, then you are bad. That's not what I'm saying. But Jesus was very intentional about specific and strategic areas of increase. And I believe it's an example for us. The Bible said in Luke 2.52 that he increased in three major areas. Number one, he increased in wisdom. And we need to increase in wisdom this year. And the Bible said, number two, he increased in stature. And then he, the third one, he increased in favor. Favor, Luke 2.52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And so today I'm talking about increasing in favor. And this year I pray that you will increase in favor. I said I pray that you will increase in favor. In the name of Jesus, what is favor? The dictionary meaning of favor, the dictionary definition of favor is favor is an act of kindness beyond what is due or usual. Favor is an act of kindness. Any act of kindness that is done to people beyond what is due, beyond what is deserved, beyond what is the normal is favor. For instance, if people work in a place and they are paid a specific amount, that is the usual. But if the employer calls a particular employee a loan out and gives him 10 times what he paid the others, that is unusual. That is favor. So it is an act of kindness beyond what is due. Favor is also this, defined as the goodwill or approval that is given to someone or a person or to something. The approval, the goodwill. In other words, endorsement. Endorsement. Sometimes if you are not known by anybody and yet you want to get goodwill from people, you can look for somebody who is well-known and get him to endorse you. Most of the times, and the purpose of endorsement is to get people who doesn't qualify for certain things to become qualified for it. Sometimes there are places if you go by yourself, nobody will hear you. Nobody will want to see you. Nobody wants to do anything for you. But you can go with somebody who is well-known at the place, who is well-respected at the place, who is very an outstanding personality. Just walk with him to the place and every door is opening for you. Why? Because of who you are working with. So favor is an endorsement. 
that is placed on somebody. And today, in our world today, endorsements are very, very serious. You know, companies are looking for, you know, public figures and celebrities to endorse a particular um, product. One day I, re I read that Adidas signed an endorsement contract with one footballer to the tune of $10 billion. This footballer will just sign that he will not use any other boots to play except Adidas. Why? Because it can literally move the market just because of one person, because of the influence of the person in society. Favor is approval or endorsement. Now, in biblical usage, favor is a special presence of God on a Christian that makes him have access to goodwill that personal effort can never provide. So in the Bible, when you see the way favor is used, it is the special presence of God. It is an unseen activity around somebody that gives him access. So the favor of God is a special enablement. It's a divine enablement that gives you access to things that you can never have by your personal efforts, by your achievements, and by your qualification. You can never have access to it. But when the favor of God is at work in you, it is as if there is this unseen presence working around you everywhere you go. And it gives you access to things that other people cannot have access to. It, it causes doors to open for you that other people, that is, that, that same door is closed to others. It, that door opens to you. It causes certain things to come to you that people are running after and they cannot get. That is the favor of God. I pray over your life today that God will favor you. I said, I pray over your life today that God will favor you. That you will increase in favor. Lift up your right hand and say, I increase in favor. Somebody say, I increase in favor. If you get a correct uh, declaration of our team this year, you will see somewhere it said, I increase in faith and in favor. Someone lift up right hand and say, I increase in favor. But because you need to increase in favor this year. I said, you need to increase in favor this year. You know, the Bible said Jesus increased in favor with God and with men. Jesus increased in favor with God and men. And I want to take my time to explain that a little. Favor with God is different from favor with men. Favor with God is not the same as favor with men. In the book of 1 Samuel 2, verse 26, 1 Samuel 2, 26, it was said about Samuel, he said, and the child Samuel grew in stature and in favor both with the Lord and man. He grew and increased in stature and then he increased in favor with God and man. Now, when you have favor before God, automatically, that favor will come, will grant you favor before people. When you have favor before God, automatically that favor before God will cause you to have favor before people. But it does not imply necessarily that when you have favor before people, then you will also have favor before God. Sometimes you can have favor before people and not have favor before God. The Bible said in the book of Genesis 39, from verse 1, we want to see somebody who had favor before God and before men. And said, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. He was sold by his brothers to Ishmaelites. 
they, they, they were angry with him. They hated him. They, they just wanted to get rid of him because his presence was becoming a nuisance. And they sold him for 30 shekels of silver. And they said, we are finished with him. And the people who bought him, the Ishmaelites, they took him to Egypt. And then they took him to the slave markets and then they sold him again. So in Joseph's life, he was sold twice by his brothers and then also by the Ishmaelites. In fact, if your brothers sell you, who else want to have anything to do with you? So they sold him. And the Bible said there's a man called Potiphar. He bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. I mean, the, low, the, the greatest form of humiliation that anybody can go through is slavery. That a human being is in market and people are bargaining over a human being is the, is the highest form of degradation and humiliation that anybody can go through. It is worse than being rejected. It is worse than being sacked from a job. It is worse than being denied little, little privileges. For you to be in the market and be looking at yourself and then they, you, you hear the prices they are quoting over your life. And you'll be asking, is that how much I'm worth? Joseph had to go through that. But that was not the end of his life. I said that was not the end of his life. The Bible said in verse 2, after he was sold, the Bible said, the Lord was with Joseph. You know, it doesn't matter the things you go through in life. It doesn't matter the humiliation and the degradation. There is something that matters most. Who is with you? What the brothers of Joseph did not know is that this guy, you can do anything to him, but it will not destroy him because God is with him. And it's very important to be careful with people that God has endorsed. You can never destroy somebody who has received endorsement from the Lord. That's why God said to Abraham, he said, I will bless everyone that bless you. And I will curse everyone who curses you because I have put my stamp of endorsement on your life. From today, people will be blessed or cursed based on where they stand in relationship to you. And the Lord was with Joseph. This year, I pray that even if you don't have money, may the Lord be with you. Oh, yes. Even if you don't have food to eat, you don't have the best of anything, may you never lack the presence of God. May you never lack it because it is that presence that brings everything. It brings the money. It brings the cars. It brings the houses. It brings the, the, the peace of mind. It brings the good marriage. It is that presence. And they took his coat away from him, but they could not take the presence away. They took his, his dignity from him, but they could not take the presence away from him. Listen, anything, anybody can take anything from you. If you have the presence of God, you get it back. I said, you are getting it back. Today, I prophesy over somebody. Whatever you lost, as I preach and pray over your life today, you are getting it back a hundredfold. In the name of Jesus, the Lord will restore to you that which you lost. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. Wow. You see, you can be a slave and be more successful than a free man. Because the difference is the presence that you carry. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I am carrying God's presence. You better be careful how you treat me. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, don't sympathize with me because of my situation. Because what you cannot see is that the presence of God is with me. 
Joseph was a successful man. And he was his, the house of his master, the Egyptian, the slave house. Three. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. And that the Lord made all that he did to prosper. So Joseph had favor with God. Somebody say favor with God. Joseph had favor with God. Verse 4. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Now, because of what was happening with Joseph in the slave house, Joseph began to have favor before his master. But before Joseph had favor before his master, he first had favor before God. So how do I know? Because slaves don't, don't become that successful. Joseph was successful and everything he touched prospered. Everything he touched was just doing well. Everything he touched, despite all the humiliation in the slave market and everything he did, there was something unique about him. And that is what favor is able to do. May that favor be upon your life. And all that he did, and then he made him overseer of his house. And all that he had, he put under his authority. Verse 5. So it was from that time that he made him overseer of his house. And all that he had. Amen. Let's go to the book of Luke chapter 1, verse 30. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Do not be afraid, Mary, because you have found Favor with God. So there's a difference between favor with God and favor with men. If you have favor with, with God, like Joseph, you will automatically have favor before people. But sometimes you can have favor with people and not have favor with God. The, bo the book of Proverbs 29 verse 26 says something interesting. It says, many seek the ruler's favor. But justice for man comes from the Lord. That is the mistake about life. There are people who believe that they can maneuver their way, their way to get favor before people and it will take them very far. But you see, if God hasn't favored you, you can have favor bef from before people, but it's temporary. Favor before people doesn't last. He said, many seek the ruler's favor. How do people seek the ruler's favor? You know, when I say the ruler, he's talking about people in authority, people in high places, people in the corridors of power. Why, why do people seek such people's favor? Because they want to have access to certain privileges. And, and you can get favor before people by doing many, very many wrong things, very many ungodly things. You can just be a hypocrite and get favor before some people. You can do things to please people that is not godly, to, to, to get favor before people. But the question you should be asking yourself is that, are you also getting favor before God? Sometimes you can destroy people to get favor. Yeah, sometimes to get promotion, you need to go behind a colleague and go and destroy him and say all manner of things about him. Sometimes because of money, just little money you want to eat, you go and destroy your neighbor, you know, and betray trust just because of money. Because, because you want to get favor before somebody to get a little money. You know, there are many things you can do to get favor. You can tell a lot of lies and get favor. Yeah, you can, but it is not lasting. Any favor that doesn't come from God does not last. The book of Acts chapter 12, the book of Acts chapter 12 says that, Now Herod had been very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, but they came to him with one accord. And having made blasts, the king's personal aid, their friend, they asked for peace. 
because their country was supplied with food by the king's country. Look at that. So these people were coming to seek favor from the king. Why? Because he was the one feeding them. Everything they were doing was not genuine. Sometimes you must be able to discern between genuine love and a fake one. People can show you fake love because they want cheap favor from you. And these people were being fed by the king and they know that if we don't show some respect to the king, our daily bread is going to be a stake. And so they came to the king to make peace. Verse 21. So on a set day, Herod arrayed in royal apparel. In other words, he dressed in his royal regalia and sat on his throne and gave an oration to them. Verse 22. And the people kept shouting the voice of a God and not a man. Then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God. And he was eaten up by worms and he died. Now, what is happening here? A whole uh, company of people, multitudes of people have come to the king to say, we are sorry. We are sorry. We repent of what we have done. But they were not showing genuine repentance. Now, the king, because he wanted to win back the favor of the people that have rebelled against him, he decided to impress them. One Bible historian called Josephus said, what Herod actually did was that he had a very special royal dress done for him that was made of silver. And then he had a gathering in the afternoon in the open sun. And when you wear a silver clothing standing in the sun, the reflections of the clothing, of the silver clothing in the sun, you know, makes you look very different from a human being. And interestingly, that is what people are doing all the time. Human techniques, human machinations to just win favor from people. Because Herod was a king. He was a politician. He was a politician. And as he, when he was talking, he was, he, was, he was giving a speech and talking, you know, in a great way. And the people were looking at him and the, the, his whole appearance was brightening and shining shining. And, and the people began to say, no, this is God. This is God. This is the voice of God. Can you imagine somebody can impress people to the point where they call him God? That means that, that, means that they, he really, really, really invested effort into that to just win their heart. But he had favor before the people, but he did not have favor before God. That is why God sent an angel to strike him. Many seek the ruler's favor. I want to say that be careful how you live your life as a Christian. All you want to do is impress people. Any people impression that is not godly is not going to take you far. It's not going to take you far. You want to be in people's good books at the expense of your integrity before God. It's a dangerous deal. How much can people do for you? How much can people give you? The person you are trying to please does not hold your destiny. You, you, you have no idea. Before you realize it, he has betrayed you. Before you realize it, he has disappointed you to the point where you say, ah, upon all that I did, why do you want to live the rest of your life just impressing people? If what you did to impress people is a godly thing, go ahead and keep doing it. And you are not doing it just because of the person. You are doing it because you want to please the Lord. So the Bible said in, in the book of Proverbs 31, 
<laughs> verse 30. Very interesting scripture. Very, very relevant. If you read the old King James, he said, favor is deceitful. That means favor before people. Of course, God's favor can never be deceitful. Uh, it was, he was using an illustration with young lady that is very pretty. What do you think of a young lady that is very pretty? Every guy is looking at her. But you know that, that beauty is not permanent. That's how favor before men is. Favor before men is not lasting. It's not durable. It's not enduring. So, nice lady. If a guy likes you just because of your beauty, you are in trouble. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Because that same guy will see another lady tomorrow who is more beautiful than you. Am I preaching against beauty? No. Be beautiful, but that alone is not enough. The Bible says it's deceitful. And beauty is vain. Please, do you understand? This scripture does not mean look ugly. No. That's why I'm taking my time to explain it. This scripture means that today if you are in the limelight, one thing you must never forget, you are not the first to be there and you will not be the last to be there. Made their best in their time and fizzle. Sometimes it beats imagination how people fizzle. Just recently, some of the people who, who, who talk the screens have just disappeared. Some of the best footballers who said, this guy, is he a human being or a god? Next time, another guy has showed up better than him. <laughs> yeah, that is life. You can never be in the limelight for life. So that is what favor before men tells you. It is not enduring. It is not durable. But you see, if you have favor before God, favor before God has no expiry. May the Lord favor you. I said, may the Lord favor you. In the name of Jesus, favor before God has no expiry. I see you favored without an expiry. I see you favored without an expiry. I see you favored without an expiry. In the name of Jesus. Why did Jesus increase in favor? Two reasons why Jesus increased in favor. Because favor can give you more than money can ever give you. Oh, I like that. Favor can give you more than money can ever give you. Don't be worried all the time that you don't have money. If you understand God, lack of money will never change your mood. If you understand God, lack of money will never disturb you. If you understand God, you, you can believe God for anything without looking at your paycheck without looking at your bank balance, you can dare anything because favor will give you more than money can ever give you. I see you owning properties that money can never buy. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I see you becoming so blessed that people are wondering, is it your own or you borrowed it? A day is coming when you show up at a place. People will ask you, is that your, are you sure it's your own car? Your colleagues at work will ask you because you know what? They know your salary and they know that management of our little resources cannot give you that kind of cover. Favor can give you what money can never give you. I see favor increase on your life. In the name of Jesus. You know, in the book of Esther chapter 5 from verse 2. So it was when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court that she found favor in his sight. And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. Then Esther went near and touched the top of the scepter. And the king said to her, what do you wish, Queen Esther? You see, when favor is at work, you don't lobby. In fact, you don't ask for anything. And, and can we move this year away from lobbying? Can we move away from lobbying and lamenting? 
and crying. How many of you know you can cry before people and they give you nothing? Don't be deceived. Crying doesn't bring anything. Lamenting before people doesn't give much. It gives you little. But favor doesn't give you little. It gives you a lot. I see favor bringing you a lot. He said, what do you wish? And I pray for somebody this year. You are going to meet people who are not poor and beggars and struggling. You will meet people who have resources. Listen, poor people sympathize with you, but they don't change your life. Thank God for sympathy, but I want a change. I said, thank God for sympathy, but I'm tired of where I am. I want a change and I want it now. If the king, the king of Persia, the king of Persia by the name Cyrus is asking you, what do you want? It's not a joke. It's not a joke. And that's what favor can do. How much money can bribe the attention of a king to ask this kind of question? What do you request? It shall be given to you up to half of the kingdom. How many of you think somebody will ever share half of his inheritance and give it to somebody? A normal person. <laughs> if it happens today, they will say, hmm. Because it's, it's not ordinary. But I tell you, the king meant it. Because in those days, kings don't speak without a commitment. The kings of those days are not like our politicians. In those days, when a king speaks, is 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 irreversible. What he said, he meant it. He said, what do you request? What is your request? You see, favor can move you from the place of being a beggar to the place of being a possessor. And, and today, I see somebody be, being, being moved in the name of Jesus. I see somebody experiencing a shift in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. What do you request? It shall be given to you, even to half of the kingdom. That is what favor can do. In the book of Exodus chapter 3, Exodus chapter 3, Exodus chapter 3, verse 21, Exodus 3, 21. And I will give these people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall be when you go that you shall not go empty-handed. Favor prevents you from ever running empty. Favor will never permit you to run empty. If God's favor is seriously at work in your life, if you spend your last money today, not long after that, money is looking for you. They can take everything you have from you. Favor will bring more. God said to Moses, I'm going to give the Israelites favor. And who were the Israelites? They were slaves in Egypt. They were slaves. And one thing about slaves is that they have nothing. Slaves don't have anything. Slaves don't have a right to own anything. Their master owns everything. They work for their master. And everything they get out of their work belongs to their master. But God said to Moses, when I set the, the Israelites free and they are going out... I will make sure I give them favor. I'll give them, it is, I'll give them money. I'll give them favor. I want to suggest to somebody today that favor is more than money. I want to suggest to somebody this morning that favor is greater than money. That's why the Bible said a good name is better than riches. Yes, that is favor. A good name is favor. When you have a good name, it means favor. It, is, it means you are favored. But it also means that one of the things that will contend with favor with your favor, is money. So when they put money and your reputation down, leave the money. Protect your reputation. Because every money you get at the expense of your reputation, that money will not take you far. 
that money will cause you to lose more ground. Every time you lose your reputation, you have lost ground in the marketplace. Anytime you, you trade your reputation, you have lost ground. And there are things that will come to you because of your good name. There are things that, there are blessings that will come to you. There are doors that will open for you because of your good name. Money is not everything. God said to Moses, I'll give the people favor. Lift up your right hand and say, God is granting me favor. He said, because of that, when you are going, you shall not go empty handed. This year, your pocket will never be empty. Your bank account will never be empty. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I command every empty bank account here, receive a miracle. I command every empty business here, receive a miracle. I command every empty pocket, let it be a miracle now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. It shall come to pass that when you go out, you shall not go empty handed. You shall not go empty handed. <laughs> Jesus knew how powerful favor is. That's why he increased in favor. The same Exodus chapter 12, verse 36. Exodus 12, 36. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they granted them what they requested. <laughs> when favor is at work in your life, you can never be denied your request. Hey. This is powerful. Favor is about to increase on your life. Where others are rejected, you can never be rejected. Where others are denied, you will never be denied. Can I hear a bigger amen? amen. When favor is at work in your life, you take your phone and you make a call and resources are moving. Resources are moving. That is favor. That is favor. I said, that is favor. And I see, he said, he said, they granted them whatever they requested. And they plundered the Egyptians. Do you understand? To plunder, to ransack. It means they rendered the whole economy bankrupt. The people gave them everything. They didn't steal it. Favor upon your life. There's no making necessary for stealing. From today, thou shalt not steal. In the name of Jesus. Favor does not permit you to beg. From today, you shall not beg. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Somebody read up right hand and say, I shall never steal. And I shall never beg. That is your portion. I said, that is your portion. In the name of Jesus. They got everything they wanted. I see requests being granted right now. I see requests being granted. You cannot go to that interview. They tell you sorry. They cannot look into your face and tell you sorry. They will look into your face and say, oh, you know, we don't, need, we, we don't need people of your qualification, but we'll create a job for you. They will, they will look at you and say, no, you know, the place is overstaffed, but we'll create a job for you. Yeah, yeah. Your customer cannot look at your face and say, no, I don't need this product. They will tell you, I don't need it now, but let me buy it all the same. I'll buy it and keep it for next time. They cannot deny you your request. I said they cannot deny your request. In the name of Jesus, favor will give you more than money can ever give you. Favor will do more in your life than money can ever do. Number two, favor will take you places that money can never take you. A 
Esther 2 verse 16 and 17. I see somebody here walking in the corridors of power. I see somebody here walking into places that you never dreamt, you never thought, you never imagined that you will ever be there. You, I see you in places that everybody who knows you very well, who has evaluated and calculated you and, 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 and concluded about you, that you, there are things that will never happen in your life. There are people here today, people have analyzed you. They say, you, you are too bad. Married, you will never marry. But favor, favor is about to come upon your life. And the same people said you will not marry. They will come to your wedding. Oh, I didn't hear an amen here. I didn't hear an amen here. There are people here today. People have vowed that this thing they call car, you will never have one. But one of these days, I see you giving them a lift. In the name of Jesus. Oh, yes. I know people here. Since you were born, you've never been to airport. And people know that they know that they know that this thing they say, aeroplane, you only be seeing it in the sky. But you will never sit in one. But I came to tell somebody, the devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. Your enemies have lied. The predictions of your enemies about you will never succeed. God will disappoint the predictions of your enemies. In the name of Jesus. Sometimes people evaluate you because they, they don't know that beyond what they see in the physical, there is something beyond the, the physical. It's called favor. I said it's called favor. There are doors that will open for you, not because of your title, not because of your strength, not because of your qualification, but because there is an unseen presence working in your favor, working for you. It says, so Esther was taken to the king, Ahasuerus, into his royal pa palace in the 10th month, which is the month of Tebet, in the seventh year of his reign. Now, wait a minute, verse 17. The king loved Esther more than all the other women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins. So he set the royal crown upon her head. Put your right hand over your head and say, I prophesy a crown is coming upon my head. The crown of royalty is coming upon my head. From today, the favor of God is lifting me up from slavery to dignity. From slavery to royalty, from the backside to the front, in the name of Jesus. The king wanted a wife, and the law is that the king will not marry any lady that has already slept with another guy. Mm, bad news for, for bad news for many ladies. Yeah, in those days, kings marry only virgins. So if the king wants to marry, they have to bring all the virgins in the whole country. To come and do pageants. Everybody is doing his work. Cut work. The slim ones will pass. The short ones will pass. The tall ones will pass. The fair ones will pass. The dark ones will pass. People with long hair will pass. People with sakura will pass. <laughs> Among these plenty ladies, there was an orphan girl. Her name is Esther. And she was a Jew. She was an Israelite. She had a covenant with God. Now, how... How much bribe can you pay to be the one that is chosen? That king doesn't need money. 
She has too much of it. There are places money cannot take you because they don't even need money there. In fact, they look at your money and say, oh, this your money is too small. How can you bribe a millionaire with uh, small money? That's where favor comes to play. And I see favor on your life. You may not have the money, but you go to places that rich people have never gone. Yeah, I prophesy over your life. I believe God with you today. Stop looking down on yourself because you don't have money. You have no idea what favor can do. I said you have no idea what favor can do. Favor brings you in a place of advantage. I said you are in a place of advantage. All these multi-millionaires, when you meet them, you make yourself small. You, 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 you behave like you are, you, are, you are an orphan. For God's sake, you are not an orphan. You are a child of God. I said you are the child of Almighty God. Don't meet rich people and, 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 and ridicule yourself and degrade yourself and undermine the, the honor that God has placed on your life because of a little money that they will give you. How much can a rich person give you that will solve your life's problems? I tell people all the time, when somebody tells you, if you need anything, call me, it's not a, it's not a breakthrough. It's temporary welfare. That means you are in a welfare system. We've all been there before, but that is not your destination. Your destination is having it enough by yourself. Put your hand in your pocket and take care of yourself. That is your destination. And only favor can bring you there. Receive favor today. Can I announce to somebody? There's somebody looking for you right now. There's somebody looking for you. And many people are showing up, but... Say no, it's not that guy. Somebody here, they are looking for you. I said they are looking for you. People in dignity and authority, they are looking for you. What, Pastor, why haven't they found me? Because favor is not at work in your life to a level, to a level. But this week, I believe God with you. I believe God with you. Favor is increasing on your life. Bible said Esther showed up. When Esther showed up, Suddenly, the Bible said the king loved her. He loved her. And the Bible was careful to explain what made the king to love her. Have you ever been to a wedding and you look at two people and you're asking yourself, how come? One is fearfully made, the other is wonderfully made. Complete mismatch. But you can say anything. They don't care. They are in love. They are in love. I prophesy over your life that God is bringing you a helper. Amen. Nobody can poison their minds about you. In the name of Jesus. I mean, they can say anything about you. But when, God's, when God packs somebody's heart about you, it's final. The heart of a king is in God's hand. He can move it anywhere he likes. And I see God moving some people's heart towards you. God is moving the heart of kings, the heart of people in power, the heart of people in authority. God is moving the heart of people. Somebody shout amen. amen. Bible said the king loved Esther because of what? Favor. She found favor in his sight. And the king got up. He took the crown. He said, come, 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 come here. Stand here. He put the crown on her head and pronounce the queen in place of somebody else. In place of Vashti. You see, when favor is on your life, 
God will move people out of place in order to put you in place. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and tell him, don't uh, pity me. God has a place for me. In Jesus' name. Don't mind what they tell the place is full. God has a place for you. I said, don't worry if they say the place is full. God still has a place for you. They say, Pastor, Pastor, the place is full. God is going to take somebody and say, get out. And put you there. In the name of Jesus. <laughs> Favor is not unmerited. You know, the first scholarship that we had in this church was around 2012. A member of our church. The first scholarship that we had. There were about 600 applicants worldwide. Fantastic scholarship. Everything paid for. Even tickets, accommodation, tuition. I mean, the stipend is crazy. And they were only looking for three people in the whole world. And a member of our church was among the three out of 600. <laughs> and he went to Holland and did his PhD. It's favor. It's favor. And I see that favor coming strong. Great, strong and great. Favor is not unmerited. I've, I've, I've always heard people define favor as unmerited grace and all manner of things. I mean, one of the very erroneous teaching about favor, people, people say you do nothing and it happens. I beg to differ. It's not, it's not Bible. Favor is merited. Yeah, Luke chapter 1 verse 26. There are things you do that trigger favor. That's what I'm saying. There are things you don't do, you don't trigger any favor. Favor is not an unmerited blessing. Favor is a reward for strategic keys, kingdom kings that are engaged by children of God. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Favor is the effect of his presence. He said, Rejoice, highly favored one, because the Lord is with you. Put your right hand over your head and say, The Lord is with me. But let me say this. Before the angels started pronouncing all these fantastic things, the Bible said that the angel was sent to a virgin. So Mary did something that put her on the spot. She was a virgin. She was, if favor was unmerited, then God could have just chosen any lady. So Mary had a part to play. But why did the Bible say she's favored? Because she was not the only virgin. There were many other virgins. But God had to choose among the many virgins. And God chose her. So that Gabriel said, no, you are highly favored. But it doesn't mean that she also did nothing. She was first a virgin before she had to be chosen. Yeah, so favor is not unmerited. Turn to your neighbor and tell him favor is not unmerited. <laughs> Genesis chapter 6, from verse 7 to 8. Genesis chapter 6. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The NIV version said Noah found favor. Most places in the Old Testament, when you see the word grace, it is interchanged with favor. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Look at verse 9. This is the genealogy of Noah. 
Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. So the favor was not accidental. Please, don't see anybody favored and say you are very lucky. There's nothing like that. Ask him, what did you do? Because no favor is luck. Favor is not accidental. Favor is a result of something that people did. Proverbs 12 verse 2. He said, a good man obtains favor from the Lord, but a wicked, <laughs> but a man of wicked intentions, he will condemn. So there's a way you live that positions you for favor. There's a way you live your life that positions you for favor. How do I increase in favor? How do I increase in favor? Number one, honor. Number two, fasting. Number three, sacrificial giving. Number four, good appearance. Number five, maturity. Number six, excellence. Number seven, relationship. Father, I pray favor. Father, I pray favor upon everyone. In the years ahead of you, life will not be full of frustrations and worries and troubles. Because I've met many people who are rich but full of troubles, worries, and frustrations. I've met rich people who are just concerned about the fact that they are afraid their riches are not durable, they are not lasting. But when you have favor, when you increase in favor, when you increase in wisdom, and when you increase in stature, you have nothing to worry about because life will definitely be exciting and fulfilling. Sometimes you may see trouble, you may see difficulty, you may see challenges, but if you are walking in the wisdom of God and the favor of God is at work in your life, you can be assured that those troubles are temporary and that before long, it turns around, the situation turns around. And then the outcome of it is testimonies that glorifies the name of the Lord. And I pray for somebody today that God is going to turn some issues around for you and make your life a testimony and give you a reason to testify of the goodness of God and the grace of God and the mighty hand of God. So Jesus increased in favor. Lift your right hand and said, I will increase in favor. Okay, so seven things that can make you increase in favor. I spoke about some of them. I talked about fasting and prayer. The Bible said, when Esther fasted for three days and nights without food, he asked the whole nation of Israel to fast and pray for him without food. He stood before the king, and there was such favor on his life. Sometimes people can conspire against you. People can set you up. People can decide they just want to destroy you. Sometimes in your lifetime, you will face so much envy. You will become a victim of wickedness. Satan can put wickedness in the hearts of people against you for nothing you have done, and they just want to destroy you. Sometimes your prosperity and your progress can make somebody mad and crazy, and they want to destroy you. And in their efforts to destroy you, they will conspire, they will plot, they will scheme, they will do a lot of very wicked things against you. And sometimes in your lifetime, you can suffer serious collateral damage to your reputation. And not only to your reputation, but even to your safety. And it is a deliberate, diabolic plot of wicked people to destroy you. And that is what Israel went through in the book of Esther. There was a conspiracy to kill all the Jews. And this conspiracy was a result of somebody's 
evil intentions to just wipe out the Jews. And this conspiracy was so strong, there's no amount of talking and bribery and propaganda that can save the Jews. You know, sometimes you can be so innocent and yet so framed up that no amount of talking can save you. Yeah, no amount of goodness can deliver you. And that is why every child of God must know the place of fasting and prayer. The Bible says that Esther told Mordecai in Esther chapter 4, he said, tell all the Jews to fast and pray for me. And myself and my whole household, we are going to fast for three days without food. There are times when, and you must not continue to eat. There are times in your life when you need to suspend your busy schedules. You need to suspend your normal life and have time with God. I've come to realize that most of the times, every season of crisis in a child of God's life is also an opportunity for favor. Most of the times, Satan designs moments of opportunity in your life and goes ahead of God to introduce crisis into your life, to mess up the opportunity that God is bringing into your life. That is why every child of God must be, a, must be prayerful. Anytime you step into a, more, a season of crisis, never forget what I'm saying today. Every time you see crisis in your life, most of the time, it is because you are very close to a major season of opportunity and blessing. And Satan is angry about it. So he will go ahead of what he's sensing. Because if you read Esther chapter 5, you will see that God had planned promotion for Mordecai because he did something good to the king and he was not rewarded. Before the moment of promotion will come for him, there was a death plot. In fact, if not for the fasting and prayer, I bet you Mordecai would have died before that promotion had happened. And I've seen many Christians who have been destroyed before their favor, before their moment of favor and blessing came, they were destroyed because in the midst of crisis, they did not know what to do. They did not know how to pray. That's why a good church must teach people how to pray. The Bible says that in Luke chapter 11 verse 1, the Bible says that the disciples of Jesus, they came to Jesus and said, Master, teach us to pray. So nobody was born with the gift of prayer. Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. As John also taught his disciples. So John taught his disciples how to pray. A good leader teaches people how to pray, doesn't always want to pray for people. Yeah, there are things I must teach you how to deal with it because I will not be there with you all the time. It's not every time I can fast for you. You must know how to fast and pray. And if you don't, know, if you don't want to fast and pray, there are certain realms of blessing you cannot break into. You may think I have the one who is not anointed. My prayer is not working. You can go round, round, many, many prophetic meetings and, 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 and come back the same. In any case, any prophetic meeting you go, that they don't teach you to pray. Uh, God is not there. I can just bet on it. God is not there. Any place where God is working, there is intensive emphasis on prayer, on fasting, all through the Bible. And Jesus, our model himself, he fasted and prayed. The Bible says that in Luke, Matthew chapter 4, the Bible said he was led by the Spirit into the desert to go and fast. So sometimes the Holy Spirit can lead you to fast. Then to your neighbor and tell him, the Holy Spirit 
leads people to fast and pray. And Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Verse 2. And when he had fasted 40 days and night, afterward he was hungry. He was led by the... Some of us, the Holy Spirit can never lead us to fast. No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit can never lead some of us to fast. He will lead you to do every other thing else except fasting. Some of you, the sound of fasting is the voice of the devil. The devil will never lead you to fast. There are things Satan will never lead you to do. My pastor taught me that. My pastor taught me that there are things Satan will never lead you to. Number one is fasting. Number two, reading your Bible. Number three, giving. Satan will never lead you to read Bible. Satan will never lead you to give. Satan will rather hinder you from giving by giving you thousand and one reasons why you should not give. Satan will never lead you to fast because he knows what you stand to gain when you fast. The wonderful thing about being led to fast is that when you are being led by the Spirit to fast, you receive grace from the Holy Spirit. You receive grace from the Holy Spirit to stay without food for a whole day and be able to pray and be able to focus and be able to reach out by faith and be able to reach out by faith. Your spirit is alert enough to tap into the realms of heaven. That's the importance of fasting. Because sometimes too much food suppresses your spirit and elevates the body. Jesus said in John 6, 63, he said, it is the spirit who gives what? Life. The flesh profits what? Nothing. So you see, when you feed the flesh, when you satisfy the flesh and you starve the spirit, you profit nothing, nothing. And most of the time, that's what we do. We satisfy the flesh, we starve the spirit. But it is the spirit that needs to be energized and activated. It is the spirit that needs to be impacted. There is no spiritual person you meet who downplay on fasting. You meet anybody who downplays on fasting, is the person doesn't have any experience in spiritual things. So during the fasting, you receive grace. When you are led by the Spirit, you receive grace. You know, the Bible says that during the fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus did not eat, but he was tempted of the devil. Do you know why the devil was tempting him that time? The devil wanted him to stop the fast. Because anytime you start fasting, Satan goes into action. Satan becomes nervous. What is he doing again? What is he trying to do again? He's going to fast again. What can we do to stop him? Well, let's make him feel feverish. Let's make him feel tired. Let's make him annoyed. You know, sometimes you wake up and anger alone can make you say, fasting, cry, me boy food. You know, when you wake up normal days, when there's food, you never get annoyed with yourself. I don't know what has happened to you before. Have, have you felt angry and you don't know why you are annoyed? Like you are not looking for the reason why you are annoyed. Has it been happening to some of you too? Yeah. It's the devil. He wants to spiritually destabilize your focus, your sense of spiritual coordination. He wants to just mess it up. And there are many things he can do. He can use people. Sometimes people talk you out of fasting. Sometimes there are people, by the time they finish talking to you, all your spirituality is gone. There are people who can make you feel I'm just worrying people every time, disturbing people. I'm not reasonable. People are working. You said they should not eat for three days. You know, but you know some medical treatments you don't need to eat. You didn't know that. That one is, is reasonable, right? 
There are some medical treatment. There are some surgeries when they do it for you. You don't have to eat for dog. How many days? So when they do operation, he doesn't have to eat for five days. And unbelievers are able to do that. Because it's health. You won't eat. Oh. Who has had an operation like that before? He didn't have to eat for a minimum of three days. Let me see. You didn't eat. And you are still alive. So you see the devil. You see what the devil can do to us. You see what the devil can do to us. A good church teaches members this, some of these important things. There are people who have walked to me and said, if not for this fasting you have asked to do once a while. You know, there are people in this church who have been able to fast for three days without food. Last Friday, Eden uh, uh, was telling me that she has never done three days without food before. So it's not just about being a Christian. There are churches you go, your life changes. She, she, if you are not joined our church, she has never done three days fast. This is a pastor's wife. Then I was telling her, I, I had not ate for, from Monday, from Monday. And I said, it's grace. I had not ate food from Monday. So the Friday we were talking. If not for life work yesterday, I would have been breaking my fast today. That's why I don't struggle about certain things spiritually. It was difficult for me Friday nights break the fast because I was really enjoying it. I couldn't walk 12 kilometers fasting. So I had to break it Friday after church. I had to eat something. You feel good in your body when you're eating after that. But if you are, if you are spiritual, you realize that, look, you could have gained more than that good feeling. The Bible said when Esther fasted on the third day, still in the fast, she stood before the king. And the king said, what do you request? Esther chapter 5. Verse 2. The king said, what do you request? And the king went further and said, I'll grant you any request up to half my kingdom. People don't like this one. People like to lobby. People like to lobby. People like to harass people. People like to beg than to fast. I tell people all the time, sometimes in the midst of lack and challenges, you, you can stop roaming around. In my lifetime, I get more when I stay with God, not going anywhere, than when I roam around on people. How much can people give you? I just gain a lot by just hiding. Just stay indoors. Stay at home. Stay with God. And just fast. And just pray. What do you request? God can put your thought on somebody's heart right now. God can put your thought on somebody's mind right now. Without you asking for it. Without you asking for it. God can do that. But favor is not unmerited. You cannot just keep living anyhow and expect favor to be automatic to salvation. Listen, when you become born again, you become a child of God and you receive God's favor. Let me say it again. When you become born again, you become a child of God and you receive God's favor. Yeah, but there are things you must do yourself to increase the favor. That is what the Bible said. Jesus increased. That means he already had the favor. But your level of blessing is determined by your level of favor. Let me say that again. Your level of blessing is determined by what? Your level of favor. Favor is in levels. So how you are now is a summary of your level of favor. The experiences, the, the, the blessings you are enjoying, the things that have refused to come to you, no matter how hard you pray for it, your life, the sum total of your life is speaking to your level of favor. Now, if you think you are not okay where you are now, you need to increase your level of favor. 
And when you increase your level of favor, more comes to you. You see, whatever you can receive is very, very correspondent to your level of favor. So today, God is going to bless all of us. But to the level of your favor. And the blessing will work in your life. As we go out, the blessing is working to every one of us to the level of our favor. That is why you don't need to envy anybody. You don't need to envy people. And don't you ever downplay on somebody's testimony. And so he was just lucky. No, there's nothing like luck in scripture. There is cause and effect. There is seed time and harvest time. There is sowing and reaping. There is prayer and answers to prayer. There is always an effort and reward. Reward has never come to people without a, an, a personal effort. So never see somebody and say he's lucky. No. There are things the person is doing that you, you, don't, you didn't see. And I like something about, about God. You see, God is not partial. Isn't that wonderful? Can I say that again? God is not partial. God is not going to consult anybody to bless you. God doesn't bless you because of your tribe, your qualification, your gender, your height. He blesses you according to principle. What somebody did and got favor. If you do the same, you get favor. You do the same. That's why it's good to learn from people. Sometimes if somebody has done what you are trying to do, talk to the person. Be humble enough to learn from people. Because what makes somebody what he is, is principle. It's not luck. All right. So fasting is very important to experiencing favor. Number two is, number two is sacrificial giving. We've heard a lot of it about it already. The commonest example, we've heard it this morning. Genesis 22, sacrificial giving. Number three, honor. Seven people you must honor in life in order to experience favor at all levels, areas of your life. Seven people. You know, I heard one great man of God said, all failure is a result of dishonor. I heard one great man of God said recently, he said, all failures in life is a result of dishonor. And this man of God said, for him, the most powerful law to success in life is honor. Seven people you must honor in your life. Number one, God. Two, your parents. Three, your pastor. Four, your spouse. Five, your superior at work. Or let me say your superior. So it is not only work, everywhere. That means if you serve in church, your departmental leader is your superior. That means if you're a tenant, your landlord, you must honor him or her. Not so that God will favor you, so that your landlord will favor you. You know, there are some landlords, if your rent is due and you don't have the money, you can talk to him to give you time. And he'll say, don't worry. Don't worry about it. Do you know it's possible? Yeah. But it is the law of honor. Whether you're always fighting him, speaking evil of him, misbehaving towards him, or you respected him, you treated him well, you sent him a gift at Christmas, you send your landlord a gift at Christmas. What is wrong with that? It's not waste. It's not waste. It will come back and benefit you tomorrow. But when you are fighting with him every day, now when your rent is due, you pay. Sometimes, even if you have the money, he said, um, 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 my son is coming from abroad. <laughs> that means out of here. Or he will just increase the rent twice. And so I've increased the rent. And he knows you won't pay. So he's indirectly saying, I don't want you in my house. So honor, number one is what? If you are making notes, you need to write these things down. Number one is God. Seven people you must honor. 
in order to experience favor in every area of your life. Number one is God. Number two, your parents. Is it good to honor your parents? You say, honor your father and your mother, and it shall be well with you. That means you prosper, and you will live long. So some people will die very early, not because they are not prayerful, they are not strong Christians, but because they break the law of honor. That's what the tribe of Reuben, they, they were dying a lot, and they were a very small tribe, even though Reuben was the firstborn of Jacob. So honor your parents. Number three, honor your pastor. Number four, honor your spouse. The Bible says that the day you come to the altar before God, God becomes a witness in that relationship. You made vows with God as your witness. So he's there. He's watching everything you do. And Malachi 2 said, when you behave treacherously towards your spouse, you know treachery means betrayal of trust. And, um, and the greatest form of betrayal is adultery. You see, when you can cheat on your spouse, you invoke God's anger. That's why Hebrews 13, verse what? Four, he said, whoremongers and adulteress, God will judge. Can we read that scripture? Marriage is honorable. That means if there's trust, amen? Amen? If there's honor, you know, he said, marriage is what? Honorable, that means that it is an honorable institution. And make it honorable, how? Make sure you honor your spouse. First, he said, and the bed undefiled. The bed is what? Undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers, God will bless them. God will judge. I won't say more about this one. God will judge you. I'm sorry to say it if you are annoyed with me. I'm sorry to say it, but if you are an adulterer here. And you see, how do you become an adulterer? By being a fornicator. You see, fornication is the training you get for the practice of adultery. See, everyone here, you, if you are fornicating, you are just training yourself. You are just learning one important skill. And when you marry, you will by all means commit adultery. Why? Because you have developed a skill that you must utilize. So when the Bible says, don't fornicate, he's just teaching you self-discipline when you are single. Because you can never discipline yourself against adultery unless you first discipline yourself against fornication. It's, just, it's the same you. And temptations don't disappear because you are married. In fact, they increase. They increase. Your temptations increase when you become blessed more. No lady wants to hang around, you know, a failure. Or a broke man, or a woman, for that matter. Because not only men will commit adultery. In fact, I think women do it more. We won't have a, a, a debate about this. That's why I said, I think. I think women commit adultery more. Your temptations increase when you become married. So God is doing you a favor by telling you, keep yourself. Singles, keep yourself. Young men and women, keep yourself. It will help you when you marry. It will help you to keep yourself when you get married so that you escape the judgment of God. There is why many, many, many Christians are falling short of God's favor. It's adultery. And if you're an adultery here today, I'm going to give you the chance to repent. Don't worry. I won't ask you to come forward. <laughs> you won't need to come forward. I promise you that. But you have to repent. 
And you have to promise God that from today, no more adultery. No more adultery. You be faithful to your spouse and favor will increase upon your life. May the favor of God increase on your life. In the name of Jesus. So you treat your, wife, your spouse with respect. That's honor. Be faithful to your spouse. Be truthful to your spouse. Be honest to your spouse. Be loyal to your spouse. Honor is loyalty. You are in this for life. In good times, you are there. In bad times, you are there. That's loyalty. Your spouse is good. You stand with, with him or her. Your spouse did the bad thing. You stand still with him or her. And if you are married, don't you forget this. How you treat your spouse in difficult times, they never forget it. They never forget it. And if your spouse is going through difficult times now, don't you ever think it's permanent. It's going to change. Yeah, he's going to come out of that financial difficulty. And when he comes out, he will relate to you with you based on memory. Why should I be ever told your spouse change because today he doesn't have money? Or he has lost his job, or he has done, he has gone through, or sometimes even if he made a mistake, you must still be loyal to your spouse. Loyalty means rebuke him if you need to, correct him if you need to, but you are still there. What you did is wrong. This thing must not be repeated again. And it ends there. You don't say, eh, that is your behavior that brought it. You will suffer for it. And then you start punishing your spouse, start treating him bad. When he complains, say, hey, thou shalt not talk. <laughs> he will come out of that situation. He will come out. Things will change for him. And then you have messed up the marriage forever. Because now he realized all that you said. I love you, I love you, I love you. You really didn't mean it. But if you really love somebody, his mistakes or his shortfalls or his crisis moments cannot take away that love. So that is loyalty. Loyalty means you are wrong. I'll tell you, but I'll still stand with you. I'll be there with you. Loyalty means you are wrong. I'll correct you, but I'm not going to be talking about it. I don't respect people who are happy talking about their spouses everywhere they find themselves. I, when they get to the, hit the office, their spouse. They get to the salon, their spouse. Everywhere. And the person you are talking to about your spouse, you don't know how his marriage is. They pretend to you like their marriage is perfect, that they are liars, they are hypocrites. Am I saying don't talk about your marriage at all? No, I'm just saying you cannot talk about your spouse everywhere. Talk to people who can do something about it. Number one, they can pray with you about it. People can pray with you. And I've come to realize that people are very prayerful, they don't gossip too much. And people who gossip too much, they don't pray a lot. Any, they don't pray at all. So talk to people who can pray with you. Talk to people that can encourage you and advise you positively. You know, there are people who can, who can really advise you. You see that these are godly people. They give you godly advice. Things you never imagined, things you never thought of. That means people you can trust. People you can confide in. And you must have people in your life you can confide in. And one way you can tell... Check how the person talks about others to you. Let me say that again. How do you know somebody you can confide in him? Check how he talks about other people to you. If somebody comes to you all the time talking about others, I want to bet you he's talking about you too. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's talking about you. So don't be so excited that they're always talking about people to you. Don't be too excited. They are talking about you too. 
and a lot of it. And a lot, lot, lot of it. So you honor your spouse. Number five, honor your superiors. Am I correct? Number six, honor those in authority. They are two different things. Your superior is different from those in authority. When I say authority, that means God established authorities. That means the nation is the government. For families is the husband. For other institutions, the head of institution. So those in authority, you must learn how to honor people in authority. Yeah, so that is why, for instance, it's not biblical for you to insult the president, no matter how bad he does. No, don't insult the president. I'm not talking politics here. I'm talking about, yes, it's not, it's not, it's not scriptural. You can raise your concerns. You can talk about what is bothering you about this government. But certain abusive, derogatory comments, you don't make it just because he's not in your party. It's not biblical. Romans 13 says that you don't honor authorities because of the person. You honor authority because of the office. So those in military will tell you the rank is what matters. So a military person who is uh, a captain, for example, will salute a general, not because that general is taller than him or wiser than him or smarter than him or richer than him, but because he occupies a higher office. It is about the office. So you may not like your MD, but he occupies an office. You respect the office. You see, when you respect the office, it, mean, it, it has nothing to do with who is there. It has nothing to do with who is there. Yeah, honor those in authority. The last one is honor those who honor you. Seven people you must honor. I thought about this last year. Good. So the third key to increasing in favor is honor. Have you got it? Yeah, I'm taking, I'm taking my time to teach this very well. The first key is what? Fasting. Second, sacrificial giving. Third, honor. The fourth key to increasing in favor is your maturity. Your maturity. There are things God will give you based on your maturity. When we say maturity, it means three things. Number one, ability to make very wise, intelligent decisions about your life. The quality of choices you make depends on your level of maturity. If you are erratic, you act before you think, you run at every rumor, you are not matured. Matured people think through decisions, process information very, 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 in a very matured way. Hello? Number two, manifestation of maturity is independence. Number three is responsibility. Matured people want to care of themselves. You can meet somebody at 20, he wants to just be independent. You can marry somebody at 50 who can still make decisions by himself without talking to his mother or talking to his father or the worst one, talking to his friends. If all your decisions right now are a result of what your friends told you to do, you are not matured because your friends could be wrong. Let me say better. Majority of people could be wrong. Maturity is be able to hear things and think through and say, this is my decision. You own the decision. So I tell people all the time, if somebody proposes to you, ask the person, is it your own decision or somebody? This proposal, is it your own personal decision or people told you to come and propose to me? If the person says, eh, actually, this is my friend said this, 
my auntie said this, my mother said this. You know, you are dealing with an immature person. Independence. Independence doesn't mean don't listen to advice. Independence means don't listen to every advice because not every advice will help you. In fact, some advice will destroy you completely. So maturity is even knowing where to take, their, ad, take advice from. Independence is being sufficient with yourself. Let me say that better. Being okay with yourself. You don't need to fit in anywhere. Hello? Because if all you want to do is to fit in in order to feel good, you can be manipulated by people. There are people who say, if you don't do it like this, you don't belong to us. And if people say you don't belong, you must ask yourself, is this thing good for me? Is it good for me? If it's not good for you, don't do it because you want to fit in. Independence means that you have to be able to take ownership of your life, take responsibility for the decisions you make. It means you stop blaming people. My parents didn't treat me well. That's why I'm suffering. My mother is very wicked. That's why I'm suffering. My uncles didn't pay my school fees. What are you doing yourself now? Independent people don't blame anybody for their failures. They take responsibility. If it's not going well, I take responsibility. Take responsibility. Put the right hand on your chest. And say, if it must be good, it's my responsibility. If I will make it, it's me. I mean, with Jesus in your life, you are enough. You are enough. Independence, you stop saying, I have nobody to help me. That's immaturity. When you hear people talking like that, they haven't grown out of childhood experience. Children have to be taken care of. Children depend on people. Yeah. Adults depend on themselves and take care of others. Let me say that again. Children depend on others to take care of them. Adults depend on themselves and take care of others. So which one, which, where are you? Are you still looking up to people to take care of you at this time? You are not matured. You are not matured. Now, don't misunderstand me. We've all been through difficult moments. And we've all been helped by people. When you take what God meant to be temporary, to become a permanent life experience, you are out of order. So let me tell you this. If somebody goes out of the way to help you, don't harass the person. You are being childish. You are being childish when, for the rest of your life, somebody has to take care of you and take care of you. You must grow up to the point where, where you can take care of yourself. And you must be proud of yourself that I take care of myself. And it's of the mind. It's of their mind. I can tell you, there are people still, they have money today, but they still can't take their own money and do everything. They will hide their money and still be worrying people. Why? Because their mind is telling him, somebody must take care of me. Somebody must take care of me. So there are people today, they have their money, but they are still going around, telling stories, harassing people. Because it's a mindset. Listen, maturity is of the mind first before it happens in your real life. Independence. The third one, responsibility. Independent responsibility, they go hand in hand. Mature people are responsible people. They don't celebrate help that comes to them. They celebrate help that they give to others. You see, when you meet a mature person, you won't hear things like, hey, that's my uncle, he's good though. Ha, 
he's good. If you bypass him, you won't see a good man. He's good, Papa. He pays my rent. He gives me money to take care of my wife. He takes care of my, children, my children's school fees. He does this. He does that. He does that. He does that. But that's my other uncle. Oh, he's useless. He's useless. Anytime you do good for people and they praise you and insult other people, remember that one day when you are also not having, that's how he will insult you. Don't be happy they are insulting others around you. Yeah, even your parents sometimes do that. If you're good to your parents and he's saying, oh, you, you are good, oh, your brother, tell him, mommy, let's pray for my brother. If he's also blessed, he will also come and help you. Don't be excited. Don't be excited. Eh? Say it again, oh, I saw my brother. I don't know what is wrong with him, oh. No, 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 you don't do that. You don't do that. If it's possible, anything you give your mother, tell your mother, it's me and my brother. That's what I do. Anything I do in my family, today I've only one brother. Anything I do in my family, I don't want too much battles for myself. Do you understand what I mean? So I said, this is for myself and my brother. You don't need too many battles. Because when you allow yourself to be praised every day over and above your brother, you are tempting your brother to hate you and to fight you. And also we are one, one father, one mother. Kin and neighbor, they were one father, one mother. Kin and neighbor, they were one father, one mother. That's why if you are parents here, manage relationship among your children very well. That's for parents, amen? Don't create sentiments among your children and make your children hate each other. No. Yeah. So maturity. There are certain things God will give you because you can handle it. How many of you will buy a car for a birthday for your child that is 10 years old? Why won't you do it? He's not mature. What about if he's 15? Still. Because at 15, he can drive. But he can drive that car to die. He can drive that car all the way to death. So some favors are not coming because you are too childish. You are always looking up to people. So God will bless those people to take care of you. You refuse to be responsible. So God will bless others who are responsible for you. Maturity. Number five is your, your excellence. Your excellence. Excellence means produce quality. Excellence means the highest standard. Excellence means best performance. So let me make it simple. You see, the best mechanic in this community will have more people going there than any other mechanic shop. Is it true? Yes. So if you are the best, you just open doors for yourself. The best mechanic, it may be a Muslim, but you will drive past a church member's mechanic shop and go to that Muslim's mechanic shop. Why? Quality. So after speaking in tongues, you should ask yourself, what is it that will make other people, what is it that will make people to bypass other shops and come to my shop? Yeah, in marketing, we call it competitive strategy. So the best school in this area will have more children. Are you, do you agree with me? Yeah, the best school. The best restaurant. You know, some of us, we don't eat in this area. I'm still praying for a good restaurant around here. If I want to eat good now, I have to drive all the way, enter the spin test road and start driving just because of food. Sometimes the fuel you burn to find good food, for instance, how many of you buy the watch closest to your house? The watch closest to your house, how many of you buy it? Yesterday, my daughter and I we were driving after life work, we're driving, looking for watch to buy. And we drove past many, many, many ones. So your excellence is the greatest advertisement for yourself. So please, don't just 
be average. Anything you want to do, do it very well. I keep saying in this church, any career you want to take, take all the courses in it. Eh? Take all the courses in it, at least to master's degree. Don't just finish teacher training college and be happy with teacher's salary. You see, it will make you keep getting involved in strike, demonstrations, the rest of your life. That's not your portion. Take up all the courses. Develop yourself. Learn a lot. If you're a hairdresser, don't be a wayside hairdresser. Take personal responsibility to study a lot about your profession. Learn a lot about the whole profession of hairdressing. And ask yourself, why should people come to my shop when there is a hair salon close to his house? Study a lot about it. From how you design the salon, the location of the salon, because if there is no place for cars to park, it means the people who come to your salon, the people you want in your salon in the first place must be people who walk. So by the location of your shop, you have already defined the kind of people you are attracting. Hello? Then the ambience of the place. How nice is the place? You know, I went to a barbering salon before. The place is very nice. But the annoying thing is that the barber had allowed plenty of his friends who were ruffians, dirty looking. Some of them have them bathed probably for, I mean, the whole place was nasty. And above that, they were chatting and making a lot of noise. And he was also contributing. So he was cutting your hair and he's, Sometimes he would stop the barber and laugh about... So I was just quiet because I've already gone by myself. So I was just quiet. And when I left that day, I never went there again. And, and, and that is something about customers. They won't talk, but you won't see them again. You won't see them again. So quality. When you produce quality, you increase your level of favor. If you produce average, you reduce your level of favor. No amount of prayer eh, and fasting will make somebody come to your restaurant when the place is dirty, a lot of flies are competing with people for the food. The waiters are, are, are very rude. They are not well-dressed. And the food is horrible. When you taste the food, you are wondering. You know, like my mother would say, did he use his hands to cook it or he use his legs? <laughs> so if you want, to, you want to run a good restaurant, number one, chef. Get the good chef. Because nobody can... Walk away from good food. Nobody here will do that. You may hear the person cook it, but you eat it. <laughs> so excellence increases your level of favor. Every profession in this world, there are millionaires in every profession. Do you know there are millionaires who are farmers? There are movie actors that are multi-millionaires. There are movie actors that, that earn 20 million in one movie. There are musicians that are multi-millionaires. Multi-millionaires. So every profession, whether it's teaching, whether it's pastoring, whether it's, you know, everybody's complaining about pastors that are very rich. They take all church members' money and they are rich. And they, how many pastors are actually rich? I'm telling you, go check. There are a lot of pastors that, that can't even pay their rent. There are a lot of pastors who can't even eat comfortably. The pastors who are rich are few. And it's the same with every profession. Oh, yes. If you like, do a, 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 a personal survey, in, even in our area here. Go to every church and take inventory of the pastors, and you'll be surprised that this, this notion that pastors are rich because of church money is all an illusion. It's not, it's not true. The pastors who are rich are hardworking, 
They take their work seriously. They are committed to excellence. They produce quality. They impact the lives of people. That's it. And it's so with every profession. There are businessmen that are multi-millionaires. There are business people who have nothing except their complimentary card. There are restaurants making millions every week. Millions every week. There are also restaurants that can barely pay their debts. There are hairdressing salons, even in this country, that are big things, big. Saturdays, the amount of cars that pack there, there are a number of people that troop in every week. It's amazing. So excellence. Number six. Number six is credibility, your credibility. Proverbs 22 verse 1 says, A good name is better than riches. That's why you must be more concerned about your name than about your titles and about your position. You must be very concerned about your name and the name of your company, for that matter. That is why all the leading multinational companies, they are very serious about what they call their brand. Because all that brings them the money is the brand. So branding is a big issue in marketing today. And what gives you a good name is your credibility. Your credibility increases your level of favor. About three Sundays ago, I said that most of the time, 90% of the time, anything somebody will do for you, he will talk to somebody about it. You remember? 90% of the time, anything somebody wants to do for you, whether it's your boss, whether it's a friend of yours, whether it's a relation, they will talk to somebody about it. So your credibility, how do you get credibility? Number one is your honesty. Number two is your integrity. And number three is your values. Your va- you must have values that are principle-centered. Your name must be important to you. Don't mess your name up because of money. It will cost you more. Protect your name and lose money. You get more money back. That's why any money-making venture that would destroy your reputation, destroy your name, don't do it. Don't do it. Keep your dignity and be hungry. It will only be for a season. It will only be for a season. Psalm 30. Somebody say, I increase in favor. The Holy Spirit just gave, gave me this scripture. Verse 11. Can we read it together? Everybody, ready, go. Verse 12. Amen. Somebody say, that's my portion. Somebody say, I receive it. He said, verse 11, he said, you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. Say amen. You have put off my sackcloth. You know what is sackcloth? That's the dress they wear when they are fasting. When they are fasting. Hallelujah. Yeah. So, Fasting can bring intervention from crisis and give you gladness. He said, he turned my morning into dancing. Put the right hand over your head and say, in the name of Jesus, I declare over my life a season of change. I declare over my life. This is my season of divine assistance. The Lord is helping me in my situation. I am not alone. God is with me. 
God is for me. God is fighting my battles. God is turning my situation around. From mourning to dancing. From sorrow into joy. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I declare a change in my situation. From sorrow to joy. From mourning to dancing. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I declare a change in my situation right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, my Father, let there be a turnaround. Let there be a change. Every sorrow in my life, turn it to joy. Every morning in my life, turn it to dancing. Let there be a celebration in the name of Jesus. Every pain in my life, Turn it around into joy, into celebration. Every crisis in my life, oh my father, let the crisis turn around into celebration, into a testimony. Oh my father, let my pain turn into celebration. Let my sorrows turn into joy. Let my problem turn into a solution. Today, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Now lift up your voice and begin to pray and mention by name every problem that you want a solution for. Every situation that you want a turn around. Lift up your voice and begin to talk to God. Whatever problem it is, whatever is pain in your life, whatever is a crisis in your life, I want you to talk to God about it. But I see a change taking place. I see a turnaround taking place. Everybody pray, 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 pray. Pray like your destiny depends on it. Hope you've been blessed by today's message. You can contact Reverend Hubert on 030-340-7970 or 024-33-11201. Remain blessed.